Thank you, Brother Terry. I appreciate Terry singing that song. I thought of Mr. Fuller again. Mr. Fuller, I know one time he was preaching in India and he gave the invitation and 50 people came to know Christ there in India. Just think what those 50 people did. Just think who they shared the gospel with and how many they led to the Lord and then how many those people led to the Lord and those people led to the Lord. Can you just imagine how God will use us if we're just committed to the task. And he sure was committed to the task. He went everywhere. He had two suitcases. One with his clothes, another one full of Gideon Bibles. And he let out. Someone shared yesterday that uh, they saw a picture of him going through the streets of New Delhi on the back of a motorcycle. Old and known. <laughs> Can you imagine that? As I think maybe in his last trip, 90 years old and crawling on the back of a motorcycle. See, Ralph, you're 95, so <laughs> Ralph's got some good experiences to share. Uh, how he shared the gospel. We never get too old to serve the Lord. If you brought your Bibles, turn to a familiar ch chapter and verse, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We dealt with this. Last week, we're going to continue with part B, imagine. So today, I'm going to be sharing with you going forward in faith, making disciples. Making disciples. Last week, we talked about evangelism. So we're going to talk about making disciples. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. I want to read those two verses first out of the King James Version. And if you would, please listen. Familiar probably have it memorized. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. At the beginning of the year, 2017, I shared with you how God had accomplished great and mighty things with the people, uh, with people, with individuals, and, and with a nation, the nation Israel, as long as they were willing to go forward in faith. All through the Old Testament, you'll find where you had individuals that went forward in faith. Noah went forward in faith. Abram went forward in faith. Moses went forward in faith. The Israelites left Egypt because they were going forward in faith into a promised land that God had promised them. They stepped out, left Egypt in faith, came to the Red Sea. and There they had the sea before them. And God told Moses, tell the people to go forward. And they stepped out and as they got to the water's edge, Moses raised his rod, the sea departed, and they crossed over by faith. So the Old Testament is full. The lady shared about Daniel. And you have Daniel and you had Joshua and you had the three Hebrew children in the Old Testament. All exhibited great faith. Just like you and me, but had faith. Stepped out in faith. Then over in the New Testament you had Mary and you had Mary and Joseph and John the Baptist and 
Jesus was the ultimate example where he left heaven's portal to, to come and be obedient to the Father's will. All of that in his life by faith. Paul exhibited faith. The faithful disciples exhibited faith. The early church. The great reformers during the Reformation exhibited faith. The early Christians that were tossed to the lines exhibited faith. Those that organized this congregation, Mountain View Baptist Church, uh, March the 13th, 1921, almost 96 years ago, stepped out in faith. And God proclaims to us individually and as a local congregation that He can do and will do great and mighty things with you, with me, with us, if we'll just simply step out, go forward in faith. Now listen, the local congregation has no more faith or no less faith than its individual members. Let me say that again. A local congregation has no more faith or no more less faith than its individual members. And that's including the spiritual leaders of the church. That's including the faith of the pastor and the deacons or the elders, or the bishop, or the stewards, or, or whatever you want to call your spiritual leaders in a particular denomination. You see, the title of the leadership of a congregation is not what moves the church forward. It's not about being pastor, or deacon, or bishop, or elder, or whatever. It's not about that. It's the people who are willing to go forward in faith for God to do great and mighty works with them and through them as individuals and then as a, as a congregation. And with all of that in mind, God is wanting to do great and mighty things in your life, my life, and our life if we'll just go forward in faith. Now, I've been preaching this for a number of weeks now. I'm trying to get the message across, and this is not going to be the last sermon in regards to going forward in faith. There are several more to come after this one. But we're dealing with a particular subject again today, and that's discipleship. God is wanting to use us and to do great things with us because of our faith. God, we come to a point to where we'll simply need to say, God, today I'm going to go forward in faith in my worship. We talked four weeks about worship and faith in our worship. God, I'm going to go forward in my worship. God, I'm going to go forward in evangelism last week. And then today, Lord, I'm going to go forward in making disciples. I'm going to step out in faith. So today's message is making disciples. Go forward in faith, make disciples. Now, we have a major problem in our churches today, and I'm speaking primarily of Southern Baptist churches because I know them better than any other group. We have, uh, overall, in all churches today, we find that there are 6,000 churches that close their door uh, every year. Kyle shared those uh, that statistic and others last week. 6,000 churches close their doors every year. Fewer people are coming to know Christ than ever before. Less than 50% of Baptists that are in church today will be back tonight. Less than 50% of you guys, gals and guys, will be back tonight. Less than 10% of those that were here on a Sunday morning come back on Sunday night for Southern Baptists. Divorce rate for Christian marriages are the same as non-Christians. 
while at the same time we have more church buildings than ever before. So the question is, why are things the way that they are? Why are things the way that they are? I suggest to you this morning that one reason the Southern Baptist churches in America are in decline, not all, but some, most, are in decline, I suggest to you one reason is that they're not vibrant, that they're not evangelistic, that they're not mission-minded, is because we have failed and are failing to disciple believers, those that have been Christians for a number of years, and those that are new believers. We're missing it. Discipleship was important to Jesus. He had 12 of them. Discipleship was important to the first Corinthian Christians, to to the first century church the early church. However, today, discipleship is not cool. Discipleship is not, it's really unimportant. For the majority of churches, it's irrelevant. It's outdated. It, we cut it back or we've cut it out. We've abandoned it altogether in many churches. Some churches don't even have discipleship in any form, shape, or fashion. They've cut it out altogether. Years ago, I remember this little song. It said, love and marriage. You remember that? Love and marriage. Love and marriage go together like a, like a horse and carriage. Go together. Love and marriage go together like love and marriage. Horse and carriage. Evangelism, discipleship. They go together like a horse and carriage. You can't have one without the other. You can't fulfill the commission part A unless you do part B. You fulfill part A. What about part B? See, that's a perfect summation of the Great Commission. We're to go, that's evangelism, part A. We're to make disciples, that's part B. Love, marriage, horse, carriage, evangelism, discipleship. They go together. You can't have one without the other. So Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is the Great Commission, but it's also the Great Commission. Evangelism and discipleship, they go together. So first of all, if you're taking notes, sign of a great disciple, taking notes, marking in your Bible, writing, writing down on the side of the page, going to use it some other time. That's the sign of a great disciple. So you have the Great Commission. Secondly, we're to make disciples. Now, you say, well, Brother Sammy, my Bible says, you just read, go ye therefore and teach all nations. It didn't say anything about making disciples. Well, I read from the King James, and it does say that. My Bible says to teach all nations. Robert Gatley, in his, uh, in his book, Rediscovering Discipleship, Making Jesus' Final Words Our First Work, I believe, hit on something. He believes something, and and I kind of see it the way that he sees it. He says that the lack of discipleship in our church today perhaps could be due to part, in part, of a a, a mistaken translation of Matthew 28, 19. And he goes to explain it. Because he says, that verse... Verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach, the Greek word for teach is rendered here, teach. But the Greek word in in the literal Greek 
is, is translated as disciple. As disciple. Matthew 28, 19 in the King James says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So today, almost all modern version translates the verb instead of teach as make disciples. That's what the original documents have. Look at the New King James, how it translates the New King James. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And so the question is, is there a difference between teaching and dis- teaching and making disciples? Is there a difference? King James has to teach the, the American Standard, other modern translations. They have make disciples. So is there a difference in teaching and making disciples? I believe there's a difference. Most believers read Matthew 28, 19 as a command to go teach people about salvation and bring them to a point that we share the gospel and lead them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The point is, we see, many see that as communicating information. But discipleship doesn't end with information. There's a lot, there's, there's lot, there's a lot more in regards to knowing Jesus except knowing the facts of Jesus. There must be an adaptation. I, I like that. Uh, I was reading a commentary this week and they talked about the adoption into the family of God and then the adaption of the Word of God. So we're adopted into the family, then we're to adapt the Word of God. Discipleship is that part of adapting to what God's Word says. It's not all about information. Kyle has mentioned time and time on Sunday night, he simply says, you know, discipleship is not informational, it's what? Transformational. You can get all kinds of information on Sunday night, but if you don't apply it to your life, then you haven't experienced any type of discipleship. The point, making disciple requires equipping and investing in a lengthy training process, especially for new believers. So first, disciple making is part of the co-mission, and we're to make disciples, not only to teach them. And then third, jot this down, who then is a disciple? Are you a disciple? Am I a disciple? Who's a disciple? A new believer disciple? Who's a disciple? We're to make disciples, so who are the disciples? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is one who is set and who is determined on growing and developing in their Christian life. That's a disciple. Are you doing that? Are you set? Do you have a mindset? Are you growing? Are you determined to grow in your Christian life? Are you satisfied where you are? Are you stagnant in your Christian life in regards to Bible study and prayer and evangelism? in general fellowship with the believers of God? A disciple is one who's determined to grow and develop in their Christian life. A disciple is is just nothing more than a dynamic term for a learner or student who actively learns through hearing and practice what he sees his teacher or her teacher doing in their lives. You know, Bud David was a member here for a number of years, and Bud was a great electrician. 
And Bud told me one day that, I said, Bud, how long have you been an electrician? He said, well, I've been an electrician so many years, but I was an apprentice before that. Really? I said, yeah. I mean, before I could be an electrician, I had to be an apprentice. Richard, you're a machinist. Were you an apprentice? So before he became a, a machinist, he had to serve under someone to learn the skills of someone that knew what they were doing or somewhat what they were doing. He was an apprentice. A doctor goes to medical school. They just don't come out and start practicing medicine. What do they do? They go to this place called their residency, and then they, they shadow under another physician until they begin to see and acquire the skills of that particular uh, area that they majored in and focus in. The point is we learn skills from someone else who's already developed the skills. Why don't people pray? Because they don't hang with those that do. Why don't people study the Bible? They don't have anyone hanging with to study the Bible. They don't have the one that knows the skills. And we're missing that in our churches today. The point is, a disciple is one who is intentionally equipped with the Word of God through an accountable relationship in order to produce Christ-likeness. Who are you discipling right now? Have anyone? I was talking to a guy this week on the phone, and I said, listen, I'm trying to disciple you. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to bring you up to a point to where you can, I can say, hey, go to it now. I feel good about it. He wouldn't hear it. Disciple-making is part of the co-mission we're to make disciples. What is a disciple? Uh, a learner, self-determined to grow in the Christian life through hearing and practicing the teaching of their leader. But notice this, jot this down. Who then makes disciples? That's interesting. I bet it's the preacher. Pretty bad. Think it's the preacher? Think that's my job? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Turn, if you will, to... Ephesians chapter 4, it'll be on the screen. King James, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 11 through 13. Verse 11 through 13. So, now, in Matthew 28, when he talks about making disciples, ESV, modern translation, who's he speaking to? We took care of that last week. Go ye, he's speaking to the ye, he's speaking to you, me, and us, right? So who do you think he's speaking to in verse 19? Us, who you think he's speaking to in verse 20? Us. So who you think he's speaking to in making disciples? The preacher. No. Us. But look at Matthew, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. This is what he says. He says, and he, says, and he gave some, and, and, I, and I asked Kyle to put this up there for me. Now I want you to notice the commas. He gave some apostles, and some prophets, comma, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry. You've got to do all the work, right? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. You see that? You see, according to Ephesians 4, in the King James Version, who's responsible? 
pastor. That's what he says with the commas. He gave some apostles, he gave some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, that's discipleship, for the work of the ministry, that's doing stuff, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, that's encouraging you and building you up. So it says here that the pastor's supposed to do all that. Really? Now, if you study Greek, if you studied in your Sunday school lesson or you heard it from a teacher, you'll realize what I've mentioned before. In the original Greek, there's no commas, there's no periods, anything. When those documents, the original manuscripts, have no punctuation whatsoever. Those are added by scribes. Well, look at the more modern translation that have a more recent document called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, if you would, look at the New American Standard. No commas. This is how the original reads. So how does the Greek text actually read? The vast majority of modern translations, including the English Standard Version, remove the commas. Here's how the English Standard Version reads. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers... To equip the saints for the work to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up. It's your job to build up the body. That's why he's giving you spiritual gifts to edify and to build up the body. It's not the preacher only by himself. To build up the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So whose responsibility is it to disciple people? Us. You, me, and us. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, Ye... Verse 19, verse 20, speaks of us. So if you, the point is the job of the pastor, the leaders, is not to do the work of ministry or to build up the body. The job of the pastor is to equip the believer to carry out their God-given ministry and for you to use your spiritual gifts, for me to serve as an encourager for you to do that. For me to help you discover how you do that. The point is, my effectiveness as a pastor is not only judged by my ministerial duties, and I'm judged by those. Fairly, I'm judged by those. But that's not the only way that I'm judged. But I'm judged in how well I've developed other disciples. I'm judged in how well I've developed preachers and, and other pastors and, and godly fathers and godly mothers and, and students and young children and how I'm bringing them up and discipling them. So back to the question, who makes the disciples? All believers. We all do. So parent, if you have a child that's a new Christian and they're not growing in the faith, don't blame the preacher. Disciple your children. 
Teach them the importance of going to church. Teach them the importance of reading their Bible and praying at night. How do they, how do, how do they learn? Because they're seeing you do it. And if they don't see you do it, if they don't, they're the apprentice. They're the apprentice. You're the parent. You're the seasoned Christian. If they don't see you do it, don't fuss and complain when things don't go well at home. Because you are the discipler, beginning with the husband. Now, every believer, I'm fixing to close, every believer should ask two questions. Who am I discipling? Who's my apprentice? Maybe grandchildren, maybe children, maybe grandchildren, maybe a niece or a nephew, maybe a next-door neighbor, maybe a friend at work. Somebody that's a new Christian, you're helping alone some way. Who's learning from me? Who's learning from my teaching? Who's learning from my actions? And the second thing, who is discipling me? I don't want to burst your bubble. And I'll include myself in this. I don't know it all. And I need to be discipled too. And I have my mentors and I have those that I'm discipled from. Every church... Every member should say, who's my disciple? Every Christian. Who, who am I discipling? And who's discipling me? And then every church should ask the question, do we have a plan for disciple making? Is it working? Kyle and I, are, we've already talked about some things that we want to change in discipleship. And it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be exciting. Now, today, the invitation is evangelism discipleship. The invitation is come to Jesus. Without Jesus Christ, part A, you're lost, you're unsaved. The Bible says you're an enemy of God. It puts it this way, you're at enmity with God. Your life is miserable and you know it. You're guilt-ridden, feel like your life is a mess. There's, There's no peace, there's no joy. You're suffering from the consequences of some bad decisions. And you've, you've said from time to time, I just wish I could start over. Well, listen, let me tell you something. You can. You can't redo the past, but you can start right here and have a better ending by trusting Jesus Christ. You have that opportunity today. One good decision can do away with some bad decisions if you'll just place your faith in Jesus Christ. Let Him change you. If you repent of your sins and turn to Jesus, He'll forgive you. He'll save you. He'll change you forever. Put your faith and trust in Him for your salvation and nothing else. It's simply Him. This morning, you may be here as a Christian. Who are your disciples? a child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a neighbor, a friend, a colleague at work. Who is it that's just come to Christ and they need to know how to pray and how to read the Bible and why do I go to church and why do they do this at church and why do they do that at church? And then are you being discipled? The Great Commission is for you, me, and for us. So the invitation is for you to come today and a new commitment or a renewed commitment to the great commission. Today you might need to transfer your membership. 
get plugged in, stop, you know, get serious about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Serve. Edify the body through your spiritual gifts and your natural abilities. Because God wants to do the impossible through you, me, and us if we're just willing to just go forward in faith. Step out. It's a frightening thing. You say, Brother Sammy, I'd, I'd come to faith on, on, um, on Tuesday night, but I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, be discipled. Come and we'll teach you. Well, I, I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't know how to pray. We'll, we'll teach you. We'll teach you. The disciples didn't know how to pray. They had to be taught. Jesus invested his life into those 12 where they could go and invest their life into others. That's how it works. You can't have one without the other. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we can come together today, listen to your word, hear your word, and realize, Lord, that uh, we're to disciple. We're to, we're to make disciples of all nations. We're to be disciple makers. We're to teach them, bring them to a point, lead them to Christ, but then we're to disciple them, serve as that, serve as that teacher, that leader, as they serve as the apprentice, and as we see them grow, and as we see them lead a friend to Christ, and, and then become that friend's disciple. Father, help us to understand this. I pray for every person here today that we've realized the, the responsibility that we have as a Christian, Lord, uh, as a disciple. Help us to commit ourselves today, individually and as a church, that we're going to make disciples. We don't want to be a statistic. We don't want to be one that does away with Part B, Plan B of the Great Commission. We want to go full steam ahead doing what you've called us to do. We're learning a lot in trying to do this. And so we ask for your wisdom and your guidance as we continue. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you're here.